Hello, and thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. I'm Valerie Dennis Craven, and I'm here with Janelle Penny. Together, for the past few months, we've been looking at the open office debate, and we'll be sharing what we learned and recapping what we've covered. Welcome, Janelle. Hi, Valerie. Hey. Um, I'm looking forward to discussing this. I've been wanting to cover this topic of open office for a long time, so I'm glad we gave it a good look. We've definitely given it a deep look, I feel, between the two of us um, and covered a lot of ground, and we'll be discussing that today. Um, so we've written um, four articles, everything ranging from, we started with the history of open office, kind of how it came about, um, to how to create an open office people want to be in, from furniture, layout, design, other considerations to make it an ideal space, and what trends are emerging now in open office. Um, so I was surprised to learn how far back open office concept dates. Really, it dates to the 1930s with Frank Lloyd Wright, which surprised me, but makes sense at the same time, since he was really into openness, transparency, natural light, really things were, you know, people want today, and that was almost 90 years ago. Um, but really, the open office that we know today kicked into gear that everybody kind of has in their minds, kicked into gear in the 1960s with Herman Miller's Action Office, which is still available today. Um, I don't know, Janelle, do you have any thoughts? I mean, did you know that open office went back this far? Not before we started writing about this. That actually really shocked me that it could be traced back to um, yeah. Frank Lloyd Wright first, and then that it really, the thing that really made it more prominent was this one set of furnishings. Mm -hmm. Especially since they're still used today, and I mean, Herman Miller is very, you know, synonymous with office spaces anyway, so... I thought that was, yeah, pretty interesting. In fact, in our first um, article, we even feature some vintage Herman Miller photos from the 60s using the Action Office furniture. So that was a fun little addition, I thought. Um, yeah, and then the uh, first article, The History of Open Office, we go through, we talk about um, the 1980s and 90s, for lack of a better word, but the cube farm type of thing where people really have those high, um, you know, even sometimes as high as five foot walls um, that are just heads down. It's an open room, but a sea of five foot walls type of thing um, to walls being lowered, uh, talking about why they were lowered, uh, everything from the kinds of things we've seen since the 2000s and to today from like benching, um, you know, less space per person. There's a few reasons for that. It's because people just didn't need as much space for paper or big computers as technology changed um, to really just trying to get more people into the same amount of space type of thing or space money saving, floor plan saving, that kind of thing. So yeah, it was definitely fun and interesting to, you know, I've been in, I, I personally have been in a variety of different office settings and spaces. So it was really neat to get a deeper look as to like the transformation and why they were like that. Yeah, exactly. And um, 
one of the things that I think is interesting that seems to be driving a lot of the changes in layout and in workplace strategy is the fact that there are these constant changes in furnishings that you can implement. Um, even going back to the action office days, that product is still around for a reason because it's mm -hmm. changed and evolved with the times, but still kept what made it special, which is that it's um, easy to implement, very straightforward. You can mix and match these little modular pieces with storage and uh, partitions and everything to get what your office needs. Mm -hmm. And as we worked on the second piece, which was like a furnishings and layout specific guide, um, something that I thought was really interesting was seeing how that like 80s, 90s cube farm style evolved and embraced these new space types. You know, we all know it's not cubes anymore. And in fact, it hasn't been all about cubes for a really long time. But then again, cubicles still have their place too. Mm -hmm. And an interesting thing that I found is that the average square footage per person, per person is actually shrinking, but the number of space types really seems to be growing. It's not just solitary workstations anymore. It's solitary workstations and huddle rooms and maybe one or two classic conference rooms and uh, maybe a pod for one-on-one -on -one meetings or making a phone call. And you can really pick the thing that that's what you're working on at that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of pods, that was one of the coolest parts for me was seeing just how many different little enclosures you can get out there. I mean, there are little phone booths for phone calls, of course, but uh, in the course of um, researching this, we even found, you know, mobile pods for nursing moms to pump in or this big egg-shaped one that was for meditation. There are so many fun and different options out there that you can really personalize your own space. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, kind of like what you were saying about even the, you know, action office or making your own space is one thing that I've noticed, that we've both noticed at trade shows and information we've received is people are definitely still pitching those types of things. Um, like they're available and even the big selling point is like how they can be reconfigured really quickly too and to meet everyone's needs. Yeah, manufacturers seem to have really realize that people are going to want to reconfigure those spaces and not necessarily make a huge investment in all new furniture when that happens. So um, we're really seeing the market respond to that concept of reconfigurability and movability. Um, you know, cubicles have often glass partitions now that you can swap in and out with opaque ones if you need to make a private office as opposed to one that's a little more, well, I mean, literally see-through. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And acoustical products are kind of moving into that portability space too, which was interesting to see because um, when I was at Neocon earlier this year, there were all kinds of acoustical products that you can put wherever you need to, to kind of mitigate some of the acoustical complaints that people tend to have in open work areas. And they were shaped like anything from the classic panel to big wall relief things with geometric 3D shapes on them big swaths of fabric that were kind of like curtains, but really had like a noticeable acoustical impact even on a loud conference floor. Um, trees, leaves, all kinds of different things. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's one thing that people noticed with the open offices, uh, you know, 
taking in these other things into consideration or you know making acoustics more a more natural part of the design so it's not so it works in with the whole office concept too for sure yeah it's been nice to realize that some of the complaints about the original open office styles maybe were um you know founded on some real issues and that the market is now addressing those things uh mm -hmm. addressing the things that people really need to have evolve about open office layouts mm -hmm. that's definitely one thing in my conversations that i noticed was um yeah since like open office at the beginning it was really how does this benefit the company the organization the space and you know over time it's evolved especially in the past 10 years and into the future of how you know how can we make this a productive space for our occupants yeah exactly which which also benefits the company right because if you don't have so much <laughs> yeah. turnover then you don't have to keep wasting money training new people you can right. keep the ones that you have that have that uh, you know institutional knowledge yeah and they can be as comfortable and productive in a good space too exactly so that is a win for the company the organization too absolutely um the third installment actually kind of dove into some of those factors that keep people in those off open office spaces and really make it a destination that you really want to go to and it was interesting to see just how many things go into that i mean of course um writing for buildings and speaking to facilities managers it's it's a job with many different facets but even just strictly looking at open office design there are so many different things that go into making it a space that people can work comfortably in right mm -hmm. like zoning the hvac you may not realize it immediately but the little enclosed huddle room heats up a lot faster than the open office space once people are standing in it so don't put them on the same zone when you're zoning the hvac controls I mean, it's little things like that that make it comfortable mm -hmm. yeah another thing is um I know that you saw in your uh, articles, and I definitely had people talking about it too, was really just that need for daylight, um, you know, bringing in like light, like, you know, healthy materials in general to being conscious of those types of things. Definitely. I saw wayfinding come up a few times too, which was, um, interesting and also a key consideration for me in an open office space because i have a terrible sense of direction anyway <laughs> but um anything from like the flooring that you choose to the finishes to just making sure that you orient things around landmarks that don't move like if you have a certain view out of one window you can locate a conference room next to it so that people can say oh it's the conference room next to the view of the harbor or whatever just all those visual cues that say hey you're in a different space now and here's how to get to it or um here's how to act in it if it's something like a huddle room where you'd want to put some more residential furniture in it those things can really help people get oriented and um kind of have a more intuitive sense of where they are in the space yeah and um you know, and especially when you were saying, talking about there's a lot of different, you know, work zone space types that can help with that too and really help people understand 
you know, this could be a heads down one-on-one, -on -one. this could be a more collaboration space, things like that too. Which I definitely had a lot of people talking about that as well. Um, just like why and the need for different types of spaces too. So that can help with that. Definitely. Yeah. What other kinds of things, anything else that jumped out that you saw of note, Janelle? Well, I touched on acoustics uh, briefly when I was talking about some of the different things that I saw at Neocon, but there have been some really interesting uh, products evolving in that space in general. And one of the things that I thought was neat to call out was that we're seeing more acoustic products that do double duty. So uh, I've seen light fixtures now that are covered in acoustic material. Uh, one of them was actually an editor's choice winner, I believe. Uh, in our product innovations contest this month. It's um, it's just like a light fixture, but it's covered in like very thick felt-like stuff. Some of the other acoustic considerations though, you don't um, necessarily even have to invest in. It's some of it's just about being smart where you put the different departments. For example, like you wouldn't put the sales department who has to be on the phone all the time right next to the accounting department that needs it quiet, right? Mm -hmm. And just really, um, making sure to pay attention to where the hard surfaces are and making sure you're doing something to mitigate that bouncing sound, whether it's sound masking or spray on material for exposed ceilings or uh, one of these acoustic light fixtures. There are lots of different things you can do, but it's it really seemed to come down to just paying attention where you might have a problem and then being proactive about addressing it. I mean, these are some of the reasons you're kind of touching on solving problems for some of the reasons that even in the past 10 years, I feel like um, open office has gotten a bad rap. Like, you know, one design that's really popular is exposed and brick and concrete, you know, yeah, they're addressing the natural light issues, but like there's no soft surfaces at all, you know, or it's just one big room with no different types of seating. So, right. you know, seeing that you know, offering solutions and seeing that case studies and examples of people who are putting it into place are really good too, so, yeah. And of course, like always, beautiful parts two and three have beautiful project images too, so. That too. <laughs> that always makes it easy on the eyes as well as informative yep. <laughs> and good tips, so, <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, so for part four, I looked at the future. Um, you know, open office is definitely not going away. Maybe, you know, I even had some people that say they don't like the term open office because that's almost not even reflective of the way people are going. Like you said, where there's these different rooms, um, different zones. Really, you know, it needs to be about choice for the workers so they can do their best work and be given all the resources um you know maybe even the salesperson, like you said they they're finding an open space that's loud but even they might really just need a space that can have a private one-on-one -on -one call or they might be doing some heads down work like for a proposal or um really fleshing out a sales plan type of thing so they might still need a different type of space too um, so for the future, I mean, it's, it's pretty, everybody I talked to and reports that I read and surveys I looked at, 
they keep, I kept seeing a handful of topics when they talk, um, we're looking at the future of open office and it was just a continued emphasis on the health of the occupants, comfort like Janelle, you were just talking about, um, and then integrating technology in a way that is useful for the occupants to do their job or have that best experience possible type of thing. Um, Definitely. Yeah, and then people just suggested, people that I talked to suggested, you know, asking, you know, your own people in your company, the people that are using the space, like what works, what doesn't, what do you want in a space, what do you value, um, you know, consider when you're doing an open office redesign or going to an open office, you know, consider the culture, um, you know, pretty much like you said, like the accounting department, like if you're in an accounting firm versus a tech company or even a creative agency, what, what their idea of a standard office is will all be a little different because they all have different needs um, and expectations within industries. So just remembering that a one size fits all doesn't work for every company or even every person within the company. So it's just, you know, if, if I were to describe like what the future holds or what people talk about now, like the one word I would probably even choose is just like choice, like giving occupants the choice and offering those different things so people can do their best job at the time, whatever their task at hand is really. Absolutely. The freedom to roam. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. You know, and then even talking about not making it set in stone, like, you know, create spaces that can be transformed easily, you know, both in daily use or in the future as your needs change, everything from, yeah, get that action office or equivalent type of thing that can be, you know, modified easily to even, you know, consider your furnishings that could maybe do double duty um, from, you know, do you need more seating? Then here's like some chairs that can also, you know, double when you need it as like, you know, a workspace type of thing or, a, you know, side table um, in the space. Uh, I know one thing, you know, that we also see a lot, Janelle, we've seen recently just from our coverage too, is even just cafes and break rooms that can be transformed um, or even movable walls or considering like, especially where biophilia is huge in the future now and even more in the future is like, how can you, you know, use an outdoor or a roof space to your advantage too. Definitely. It's amazing what you can do with, um, you know, just some different table or seating heights in the case of the cafe, for example, it really transforms the space. Exactly. Yeah. And have different seating. Like if people just, you know, yeah. Cafe tables, if people want to just like even stand on their while working on their computer, but they're huddling or just more comfy seating if people are just kind of brainstorming even without technology. Yeah, even just little details like making sure there's enough outlets for all this technology so people are able to work everywhere too, which I know you've touched on that too in your articles. Oh my gosh, yeah, outlets are crucial for sure. Um, <laughs> And speaking of the seating, going back to seating for a second, one of the neat projects that we spotlighted had what I thought was a really cool solution to making sure that there was enough seating and also space flexibility. Um, it was the Atlanta headquarters of Interface. They call it Basecamp. And <laughs> I love that. Perkins and Will, yeah, I love it too. Um, 
Perkins and Will came up with this cool design where um, it's like a massive stair, but with some wider stairs to on the left side of it that can double as seating. And then in place of cushions, they have stacks of interface carpet samples in some oh. colors. So there's like a strip of blue tones and there's a strip of green tones. And it really adds these fun pops of colors to the space and makes it a little more comfortable to sit on these otherwise hard yeah. um, stairs if they need to do any like company announcements or other things where you'd want town hall type seating. Yeah. And that was a really fun um, solution that I thought was also really customized to the client who's of course one of the biggest flooring companies. And that's, and that's totally an example of, yeah, integrating your culture. Um, how can you, yeah, bring in, you know, yeah, what you do, if you're bringing, somebody even mentioned, if you're bringing in a lot of clients, your space is going to look different than, you know, if it is just everyone always does heads down type of work. So just, exactly. you know, yeah, like, like I said, there were a lot of cool visuals, but, you know, also consider does this work for your space, not just does this look cool, but yeah, things like that. Oh, and then one thing I kind of touched on that I think I got on a tangent was even just in the future, <laughs> easy to do, um, it, you know, bringing technology in more and people talk a little bit about um, sensors, everything from, you know, yeah, like kind of the whole connecting that either to the HVAC or even people could have settings for their desk set up, like the height and everything. Um, to sometimes even like ability with lighting in different spaces. Um, yeah, so it, I've even seen things like, um, especially if an office has hotel desking situation, people can even just check in right away on their phone and see what what um, either zones of desks are, are even available to use. Um, maybe not all zones of the office are even in use right now, so they people can save on um, you know, electricity, heating type of thing, or just to reserve, reserve a, an actual desk and have it be ready when they get there for work. So just integrating technology in different ways in the future to, you know, so people don't need to spend 10 minutes looking for an open desk. They have this app and then they can get there, get to work right away and get going. Exactly. There's so many options. Um, just in these different types of spaces and different modes of working that it really underscores the importance of uh, a making sure that you have a really good sample from across the whole organization in the design charrette and also that you're doing these pre and post occupancy surveys um, before and after you build or upgrade a space just to make sure that you know everyone's voice is being heard you're putting in the things that people need and want and also that those things are working out the way that you thought they would you know you might find that everyone thought that they were going to use a ton of these huddle rooms and then it turns out that they're really only using two or three of them because they have the most daylight so you could turn the other ones into something else and that's um, where having the flexibility and um yeah, right trans you know materials and products that can be transformed easily then yeah you can adjust to what makes the most sense and would be the best to use yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else, Janelle? Yeah, I really think that um, 
at the end of the day, it's all about creating the most successful open office design that you can, and that ultimately depends on how willing your organization is to embrace that new space. And we've talked a lot about different things you can put in it and you know, making sure that it reflects your organizational culture because these things can never be one one space fits all, of course. But um, it's really about just keeping an open mind about mitigating the common drawbacks and making sure it fits your culture and really just making sure that every space in there makes it possible for everybody in the space to do their best work. Definitely, yes. Like I said, yeah, it's that's what that sums up why choice is my one you know, my one word for really choice for everybody so everyone can be successful. Exactly. Yeah, great. Yeah, this was good. I really, I mean, I really enjoyed, yeah, learning about all of this, writing what I wrote, reading what you wrote to know. I learned a lot and I think it was really, you know, if, if readers haven't read it yet, then definitely you can click on one and then you can find them all. Um, I, I mean, they're just, yeah, they'll go together like with one. They'll have a lot of tips and takeaways and information. So I'm really excited that we did this. And I'm glad that, you know, we could get together on the podcast and talk about it too. Me too. I hope all of you enjoy uh, reading it and listening to it as we did writing it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, please listeners, let us know, you know, do you think there is an open office issue? Um, you know, what layouts or features have you seen? Do you wish, you know, you had? What do you like? What's your ideal work environment? We definitely want to hear your feedback on the articles, things we've talked about, maybe things we've missed that we should go back and talk about, um, you know, or even go deeper with. So definitely let Janelle and I know, you know, either email us or sound off on social media and tag our accounts. Um, so. We definitely would love to hear your feedback in general or your thoughts. Absolutely. Yep. So thanks for joining me, Janelle. Thank you. Enjoyed it, yeah. And listeners, be sure to listen to all of our podcasts. You can listen and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Have a good day.